0: Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grow Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church, or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. Well, we are in this series called All in the Family. And I I believe one of the questions that most families, if not all families, are wondering about, and that's this: what's the the secret to life? How's this all work? Well, if you were to ask, make sure you get this name right, if you were to ask Elizabeth Sullivan this question, you got a picture of Elizabeth, when she was 104 years old. Elizabeth Sullivan would have told you the secret to life is drinking three Dr. Peppers a day. That's how she lived to 104. Or how about this? If you were to ask Jean Calment, we got a picture of Jean here. I love this one. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Jean claimed that the secret to life was eating chocolate. She ate more than two pounds of chocolate every week. And she smoked until she was 117 years old. She lived 122. That was the secret to life according to Jean. Or how about this one? This is a Japanese woman named Kamato Hongo, and she had an unusual schedule. She would stay awake for two days, two days straight, and then she would sleep for two days straight. And she said that was the secret to life. Her family would feed her while she was sleeping in the middle of the night. This crazy stuff, right? So these people are saying, this is the secret to life. This is how I lived this long, right? Is that the good life? I mean, is that it? Is it two pounds of chocolate and cigarettes and, you know, all that kind of stuff? Dr. Pepper? Silly, it seems, doesn't it? But I think we're all trying to figure it out. That's why people ask the centenarians how they live that long. How, how, what's, what's the secret? What's the secret to life? What's the good life? This is why the health and fitness industry is so huge in America. We're all trying to figure out what is the secret to the good life, and even if you're not aware of it, you're thinking about that too. You're wondering, what's your source of wisdom? I wonder that. What's our source of wisdom? Where are we finding the insights that would guide us into living the good life, quote unquote? So yeah, we're in this series called All in the Family. We've talked about marriage. We've talked about parenting. Today, specifically, I would say like the number one audience today is young adults. We've got a lot of young adults in the room. There are young adults who are worshiping with us, Christ Church Online. I love that. This message is for young adults, for those who are standing on the cusp of of a big life ahead of them. I believe that there's a message here for you, but it's not just for the young adults. I always want to clue in the rest of the audience here. Because look, if you're married, there is absolutely something here for you, for you to be a more whole person and to bring that into your marriage relationship. Look, if you're a senior adult, there is something for you in this message. Don't you want to finish strong in life? And so for everyone, there's something. I would say this, young adults, I want you to lean in with me and hang in there with me as we go through this. If you're a high school student, this is for you as well. If you, know, if you have a high school student or a young adult in, in your tight-knit circle... You might want to share this message with them and clue them in because I think there's something from God's word that's very helpful for us. We're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes today. Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament. And to be honest with you, it, it could be a very difficult book to understand. What essentially you have in this book is a teacher, or depending on the translation, a preacher, who seems to be in full midlife crisis. And this preacher-teacher, when you read through the first you know, books of, chapters rather, of Ecclesiastes, seems to be asking this question. This is the question of Ecclesiastes. Is life worth living? It's the question that's asked over and over again. Is life worth living? Is God present in all this? Does God matter? That's the question of Ecclesiastes. Again, it can be hard to understand. There's this teacher who's asking questions. He's asking questions about the the monotony of life about the the vanity of wisdom, about the, the futility of wealth, about the certainty of death. And Solomon, this would be King Solomon, the son of David, responds to the questions that the teacher asks. And he brings God into the picture. And this is where we're picking up in the book of Ecclesiastes today, right at the tail end chapter 11. We're actually going to read a bit more than what Gideon's already read for you. So if you have a Bible in front of you, grab one. Open up the Bible app. Follow along with us. Take some notes. Study the Lord's word. Be students of his word. And we're going to Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, verse 1. What's life about? It's a good question if you're a young adult to consider, certainly you're probably thinking about it. What's the secret to life? Let's begin by reading this passage. Ecclesiastes 11.1. Ship your grain across the sea. This is poetic language, by the way. Ship your your grain across the sea, and after many days you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north... In the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God. I just want to pause there for a moment and point this out. You know, we're passionate about life at Christchurch. We advocate for life. And this is another example. You hear what it says here in the scriptures? The body is formed in a mother's womb. This is is something that speaks to the work of God. The the, the life in a mother's womb is the work of God. It's a sacred thing. This is why we're passionate about life. This is why we pray against abortion. This is why we, we want everyone to know the value of human life. We see it right here. Life is sacred because it is the work of God who is the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. So there are four lessons I want to point out to you today from these scriptures I'm going to read. The first lesson is this, life is an adventure, live by faith. That's the first lesson, life is an adventure, live by faith. Okay, so here's another one of our centenarian friends. Uh, The name is Jean Gallon. Look at Jean Gallon here. Okay, we have a picture of her. She said her secret to life is staying away from men. (laughs) She lived to 109. She looks good, doesn't she? Surprised some man didn't snatch her up. She looks good, 109. And here's a direct quote from Jean. She said, I never got married. I think that's the secret. My sister says, I wish I never got married. (laughs) Stay away from men. That's the secret, everyone. You know what? Jean never risked it. And look, I don't want to cast shade on her, but I think she missed out on something. She never risked it. She wouldn't risk marriage. There was something that she was afraid of. You know, I, I think that there's a lack of risk right now in our culture. In fact, I wonder if the emphasis on being safe in our culture is actually undermining faith. There's a real emphasis these days. You paying attention, people will say to you when you depart their company, what do they say? They say, be safe. There's an emphasis these days in our culture of protecting and thinking somehow that we could keep ourselves from harm or difficulty or illness. There's this emphasis, and I wonder if that emphasis is becoming a problem for us. Because what the scriptures tell us is to live by faith. And listen, being safe doesn't jive with with having faith. Faith requires you to risk it. And so there's this passage here that we're reading that I think points us to the, the importance of having faith, of taking some risk in life. Listen, I want to say this about the risk thing. I mean, we've had a generation of young people who've been raised with helicopter parents, who try to insulate them and protect them from any kind of ill, any kind of difficulty, any kind of scraped knee. We try to pad life for our young people. And I think that that emphasis on safety, again, is a problem for us. And the thing that it does is it undermines faith. It's been said that in colleges, more and more students can't decide on a major. And I know that could be a really big decision and a difficult decision. But so many students can't decide on the major. And I think a part of it is, is because we want to get it right. We're so afraid of making the wrong decision. We don't want to risk it. We want to play it safe. And so I think we've got a problem. You know, there was a question asked to a group of people who are 95 plus We're talking about these centenarians, 95 plus. They asked this question of the the group of people. They said, what if you could do it all over all again, would you do differently? If you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? And one of the answers that came back amazes me. They said that they would have risked more. How about that? Looking back on 95 years of life and what do they say? I wish I would have risked more. I wish I would have taken more chances. Pastor John, when I leave his company, he'll say to me, he'll say, hey, drive fast, take chances. <laughs> That's what he says. He's of that generation. Take risks, Craig, is what he's saying, right? Live by faith. Look, look at the scripture here, okay? The passage points to a merchant and a farmer. It's talking about a merchant and a farmer. What's talking about this imagery here. You know, a merchant or a farmer, well, neither one of them can control their circumstances. In fact, in the passage, three times it says you don't know. It says you do not know what disaster may come. It says you don't know the path of the wind. It says you do not know which will succeed. It says you don't know. In other words, you can't control your circumstances. And It's using the merchant and the farmer to point this out to us. You don't know. You can't control your circumstances. So the merchants, with their ships that they send out to the sea... Well, they might hit a reef, or a storm might come up, or pirates might overtake their ship. You don't know what's going to happen when you send the ships out. For a farmer who's planting a crop, it could be that insects will eat your crop, or blight will come along. Or or that you'll have some bad weather. If you live in western Pennsylvania and you plant your garden too early, that there'll be snow in April that you can't do anything about, and it freezes your crops up and ruins them with the frost. You know something about that? Those kind of things will happen, or the deer will eat them. You don't know what happens when you plant a crop or you send ships out. Any kind of things will happen. So what do you do? Do you wait till circumstances are ideal? That's the kind of thinking that we have today. Well, wait until circumstances are ideal. So many young couples, so many dating couples, put off marriage, put off that commitment until they're sure that things are right. Until the circumstances, the money is just right. And then once they do get married, if they do get married, then they put off children until they've got enough money in the bank. Waiting until circumstances are ideal, they'll never be ideal. You can't control it. There's some risk inherent in marriage. There's some risk inherent with parenting. You can't get anything done if you wait till the circumstances are ideal. Life just has a certain amount of risk in it. And that, my friends, is where faith comes into the picture. Right in the tension of that that risk. You know, my wife and I, Lisa and I, when we, we were just meeting each other, we were getting ready for that first date. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I decided that I was going to prepare a picnic dinner for us, for, for our first date. We were gonna to go to a local state park and have a good time. I think this may have been the last time I've ever prepared dinner for our family. And so we, we prepared dinner, I prepared dinner, this, this picnic lunch, I was all excited about it. I woke up on the day of the first date and the weather was a typical Western Pennsylvania day. It was overcast and the rain was in the, the forecast. And so I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do, right? Well, I decided I was going to kind of plow ahead. And so I literally got outside and I washed my truck because this was important to me. I wanted to make a good impression, though I don't think she cared. I washed my truck and shined it up, wanted it to look good, right? And I show up for, for the, the date and it's still raining. I mean, I was washing my truck through raindrops. What am I, crazy? And I show up for the date and it's still raining. I'm thinking, what are we going to do? Should I have plan B? I decided not to. I was like really fired up. Probably a little bit too intense. So I get Lisa at the door. I get her into my truck and I get in and I look at her and I say, I don't think it's going to rain. Do you think it's going to rain? And she's like, uh, can I get out of this truck? You know, and she, she says eventually, well, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to rain. Maybe not. And, and the point of me asking that question was this. Are we going to take faith? Are we going to risk it? I look back at them. I'm so grateful that that was like our first moment. Our first moment was, are we going to take up faith or not? It was just a, a you know, a rain for, rainy forecast. But that point is, is that life is an adventure. And it requires faith. It requires some risk. Look, I want to point you to verse 6 real quick, okay? And verse 6 talks about this. It says, sow your seed in the morning, and at the evening let your hands not be idle, You do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Look, we tend to think of adventure in our culture today as a trip. Oh, I'm going to Europe, or I'm going to to Asia, or I'm going somewhere out west. And that's an adventure. Look, that can be an adventure, sure, but don't overlook the adventure right where you are. This passage right here I just read, that verse 6, is talking about this. Do the job at hand. Take care of business right where you are. Don't overlook the adventure that's a part of your schooling experience, the adventure of your household, the adventure of marriage, the adventure of parenting. You don't have to go out west to go on an adventure. There's an adventure God wants you to live out by faith right where you are today. So here's what you do. You invest today in that which will pay dividends tomorrow. That's what the scripture's talking about. When it talks about sowing your seed, you're planning ahead, you're thinking ahead. So life is an adventure, live by faith. That is the first lesson, so to speak. Let's go to the second one. I got a lot to buy a bit off here today. Let's, let's dig into it. Chapter 11, picking up in verse seven. Light is sweet, this is what Gideon read. Light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Let me stop there. You know, a few years ago, I had my family packed into our our minivan, And we were driving through the community where we lived. And a car in the opposite direction came careening around the corner. Really, really fast. Way too fast. It lost control. And it nearly took out our van. The car ended up tumbling into a ditch. And and the guy was, was injured. It was a really bad scene. And they came this close. This car was spinning out of control. This close to hitting our van. And I remember thinking, wow, that could have taken us all out. It was on my side of the road and my little daughter's side and that side. It could have taken us out this car. Who knows what could have happened? How we would have been maimed or injured because of this accident potentially that was right there in front of us. And whenever that happens there's a sense of wow I'm really thankful for God's protection and life is a gift. I remember waking up the next morning and thinking man I am so grateful for God's grace and for life. It was real to me. You ever have an experience like that where you're aware of what a gift life is? Well, that's important because as the scriptures point up, there are days of darkness. Anyone who's lived, anyone who's been married, anyone who has children can attest to the fact that there are days of darkness. And you know what? They're inevitable. Let them remember the days of darkness for there will be many. I've got a friend here in the church who recently claims that he hurt his back while he was sleeping. He hurt his back while he was sleeping, and so he was in the dining room standing up while his family is eating a meal because he couldn't sit down because his back hurt too much. This is one of the signs of getting old, right? And he's watching his wife eat pizza, which he can't eat because he is now lactose intolerant. Talk about the days of darkness. Don't they sneak up on you, don't they? You can't sit down in chairs. You can't eat pizza anymore. The days of darkness. Anyone who's lived knows about it. So what do you do? It says you enjoy life. That's the lesson here. Enjoy life. It's a gift. Life is a gift. Enjoy life. Well, let's talk about this then. Is this what enjoying life looks like? Here's a guy named Henry Allingham, one of our centenarian friends. Look at Henry, okay? What a lover boy. He lived to 113. And they asked Henry, what the secret was. What's the secret to life? And here's what Henry said. He credited his long health to, quote, cigarettes, whiskey, and wild, wild women. That guy right there, look at him. Is that what it is? Is that what the scripture's telling us here? Is the scripture saying, hey, when it says enjoy life, is it saying, hey, whiskey, cigarettes, wild women, go for it. is that what the scripture's saying? When it says enjoy life, when I say enjoy life, it's a gift. Is that what we're talking about? No. Listen, there's a warning in here in this. Don't miss it because if you read all the scripture, don't just take a portion of it. If you read all the scripture, it says this. Yeah, follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Listen, young adults. I know that there's a lot of temptation out there. I know there are a lot of things that are pleasing to the eye. I know there are a lot of things that you just feel like you want to do. But the scripture has wisdom for us. And though we're called to enjoy life, it's a gift. There's also this other side of the equation, which is that God will surely judge all of us. And yeah, you, you, you have the freedom. God's given you free will. God will allow you to go and, and do this and do that and make that trip and go to this place and date that person and indulge in this. But ultimately, it all comes down to this. There's this warning. You will be judged. I will be judged. It's right there in front of us. God will bring you into judgment. And so here's what I would say to you. Enjoy life in the will of God. Enjoy life in the will of God. Not more conservative than he prescribes in his word. Not more liberal than he allows. Enjoy life in the will of God. We have a gift from God. It's life, and we are called to enjoy it. But remember this. Look at verse 10. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. Youth and vigor are meaningless. This is one of those phrases that's often different, difficult to translate. Here's what the, literally, the literal translation is. Youth is transient. Youth is transient. In other words, youth passes by quickly. Youth is here and gone. And so what's the point? The point is this. Don't waste your opportunities. Life is a gift. Enjoy it. And also prepare for the future. Prepare for the future as you enjoy your life. Be thinking forward. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. I want to take you for through verses 1 through 8 of, of Ecclesiastes 12 as we get into the next chapter. And, and there's this part as we're talking about life being a gift and enjoying it. There's this imaginative description of old age and death that serves kind of as a warning. There's some humor in it, I think. And, and, and it's it's a, a picture of a house that's falling apart. Just let me read this really quickly, okay? It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble, that's referring to, to hands and feet, the keepers of the house. When the keepers of the house tremble. And strong men stoop when, you're, when, when people are bent over because they're older. When the grinders cease because they're few. When your teeth are falling out. And those looking through the windows grow dim. Your eyes are dim. When the doors to the street are closed. When you can't hear anymore. And the sound of grinding fades. When people rise up at the sound of birds. In other words, when you're old, you can't sleep in anymore. You're You like, wake up at the crack of dawn with the birds chirping. You know what I'm talking about? You can't sleep to noon like my daughter likes to sleep anymore. You can't do that. When, when the people are afraid of heights and dangers of the street, you're jumpy when you're old. You don't feel as, you don't feel as strong and, and able. It goes on and on and on. It describes how life changes. How the dark days come. And here's what the point of it is. It says remember. It says it in verse 1. And it says it in verse 6. This whole little thing is bracketed by him saying remember him. Remember God. The point is to not just think about God. But to pay attention to God in your youth. To put yourself in a position where you are willing to not only hear him. But to obey him. That is the point. Remember him. Listen, life is a gift. Life is a gift. Enjoy it. Remember the Lord. Think about the future. Don't don't go off the deep end because know this, you will be judged. There's judgment that awaits. But take life. It's a gift. Enjoy it. Let's keep going. Keep going in in chapter 12, picking up in verse 9. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words. And what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails. Given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study wearies the body. So here's our next lesson. Our lesson is this. Life is a school. Learn your lessons. We've said life is an adventure. Enjoy it. We've said life is a gift. Enjoy it. Take up faith was the first one. And now we're saying life is a school. Learn your lessons. You know, life is like a school, except that sometimes you don't know what the lessons are, until after you failed the examination. You know what I'm talking about? It feels that way sometimes. Life is a school. You know, they asked that group of 95 plus, that question I told you about already, that, that what if you could do it all over again? What would you do differently? Well, not only did they say they would risk more, but they also said that they would have reflected more. They reflected on life more. You know, God teaches us through his word, God teaches us through creation. God teaches us through history. God teaches us through our circumstances. He teaches us in many ways. And, and, and in this passage that I just read to you, it mentions, mentions two things. Goads and nails, firmly embedded nails. You know, goads were these spiked sticks that were used to prod cattle. And of course, nails firmly embedded in a board, well, that reminds us of of something that's solid, that's not going anywhere, it's nailed down. Well, God's lessons, if life is a school, learn your lessons, God's lessons are, are to prod you, to goad you, to pay attention, and to seek him more. You're facing some challenges in school, you're facing some challenges in your new career, you're facing challenges in your marriage. Listen, those things are meant to prod you, not to turn away from God, but actually to turn toward God, to seek him. And, and, and listen, these lessons that you receive are like nails, the nailed down a board, solid in place so that it's unshakable. That's the kind of lessons that God wants to teach you, to make you unshakable, to prod you to grow and to seek him. The point is this, the textbook is the Bible. If all of school, if all of life is a school and there's lessons to be learned, the textbook is the Bible. And the Holy Spirit is the teacher. And so here's the question I have for you. Are you in the word? When's the last time you got into the word? God will teach you lessons through the scriptures. When's the last time you were in the Bible? I'll give you a way we can help you with this. We've we've got some Bibles here, freshly printed. These are from the John Guest ministry. Some of you are familiar with this. It's the life-focused New Testament. I love this, this New Testament version of the Bible where it has a daily reading for a whole year. The Bible, the New Testament, divided into selections where you can read it, and then there's a devotion, and there's even prayer. Pick one of these up. Start reading God's Word. If life is a school then learn your lessons. And one of the greatest ways you can learn your lessons is by reading the scriptures. A, they're available in the comments. Buy one for someone else and give it to them as a gift and say, this would be a great way for you to read God's word. And I think you need this in your life right now. Young adults, this is the time to start reading the scriptures. There's no better time than right now to get into God's word and know his word because all of life is a school. Learn your lessons. One last thing I wanna say before I, I move on from this particular part of the passage that we're studying there's this part at the end that says be warned my son of anything in addition to them the words of wisdom of making many books there is no end and much study wearies the body someone might read that and say is is the bible anti-education is is the bible anti-intellectual it seems like it's warning against reading books Look, no, I don't think that's true. But here's what I would say. Don't let other people's books rob you of God's wisdom. Be rooted in God's wisdom. So yeah, go ahead and read whatever the latest book is. Go ahead and check out the stuff you can read online. But measure it according to God's word. Test it according to God's word. Don't let other people's books, don't let other people's stuff rob you of God's wisdom. Let's keep going. Life is a school. Learn your lessons. And finally, let's go to the last two verses. We're going to finish chapters 11 and 12 of the book of Ecclesiastes. Pick up in 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing whether it is good or whether it is evil. So our last lesson is this. We've talked about life being an adventure and living by faith. We've talked about life being a gift and enjoying it. We've talked about life being a school, learning our lessons. And finally this, life is a stewardship, so fear God. Life is a stewardship, fear God. Another one of our centenarian friends, Mary Frances. I think we have a picture of Mary Frances to show you. Mary Frances uh, lived to about 100 years old, and she said that the secret to life was not being an overachiever. Here's a direct quote from Mary Frances. I was always a lazy bird, she says. That is the secret to living longer. Be lazy. That's sounds like wisdom to you. I don't think so. Listen, life is a stewardship. I would preach against laziness. Life is a stewardship. And we will be called to give an account. Somebody ask you a question. Are you spending your life? Are you wasting your life? Or are you investing your life? Which one is it? Are you spending your life? Are you wasting your life? Are you investing your life? They asked that group, 95 plus, what would you do differently if you could do it all over? And here's another thing they said, in addition to risking it, they said that they would do more things that would live on after they're gone. That's what those who have lived almost a century said. They said, you know what, if I could go back and do it again, I would do more that would live on beyond my years. I would invest my life. I wouldn't just spend it. I wouldn't waste it. I would invest it in such a way that it would bear fruit even after I'm gone. There are two things. This begins, that begins, that investment begins with two things. It's right there in, in verse 13 of Ecclesiastes 12. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. You want some good advice as a young adult? Fear God and keep his commandments. Let's just talk for a moment about fearing God. Fearing God is an attitude of reverence and awe that people show God because they love and respect his power and greatness. So it means to fear God. It's an attitude of reverence and awe because we say, God, you're so amazing. Your greatness, your power. I respect you so much. I'm so in awe of who you are. I fear you because of who you are. That's what it means. There's a quote by Oswald Chambers, I think, that brings fearing God and the importance of it into focus. The quote is this. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. You see, the fear of the Lord truly is the beginning of wisdom. You want to live a life free of fear? You want to be set free to enjoy life? You want to be set free to have faith? You want to learn these lessons? By the way, they're good lessons that God has to teach for you. I believe it's all rooted in what we read here at the end. To fear God. Not only to fear God, but to keep his commandments. Look, if you say you fear God, but you don't keep his commandments, it's a sham. It's a sham. If you want to have wholeness you must begin with God and the fear of the Lord truly is the beginning of wisdom and and here's what we have to keep in mind and I can't skim over this in verse 13 I'm sorry verse 14 right at the end it says this for God will bring every deed into judgment including every hidden thing whether it is good or evil listen There will be a final judgment. This is the second time in two chapters we see this. There will be a final judgment. Are you ready? Are you preparing yourself? Are you living your life in such a way? Rooted in the fear of God. Being in awe of him. Respecting him. Because of who he is and what he's done. His greatness. Are you living by faith? Are you enjoying life? To the fullest that he's given you. The gifts investing well. Remembering him. Are you walking closely with him and learning the lessons that he has for you? Listen, life is a stewardship. Life is a stewardship. Fear God. I want to close with this. You know, there's, there's this portion of what we just read in, verse, in chapter 12, rather, where it speaks of one shepherd. It talked about the goads, right? The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails. Given by one shepherd. That really caught my interest this week when I was studying this. Given by one shepherd. It was almost like they threw it in there. I love when the Bible does this. And of course, when I started thinking about that phrase, given by one shepherd, one shepherd, it made me think of Jesus, who said, I am the good shepherd. It made me think of Jesus, who said, I have come to give them life, life to the full, life abundant. It made me think of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. I want to point you to 1 John 5.12. 1 John 5.12 says this, really simply. And maybe this is the great summation of this message in this passage from Ecclesiastes. This wisdom for young adults. This wisdom for all of us. You want life? You want to know the secret to life? You want to have a good life? Well I believe it's all here. 1 John 5 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. What's the secret to life? The secret of life is knowing Christ. It all begins there. You fear God? Do you respect Him? Are you in awe of His power and majesty? then the only reasonable response is to say, oh God, I worship you in light of who you are. And I give myself, I surrender myself to Jesus Christ. He who has the Son has life. You want life? I'll tell you, where it begins is in Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and life. He did come to give us life and life to the full. He is the good shepherd. And he is the one. Who is the source of life? I wanna give you an opportunity to pray and maybe consider these words. Could you join me? Bow your heads, please. Oh, Father, we come before you and we thank you for these words, ancient words, that prod us and teach us about who you are and your ways. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would all recognize that life is an adventure that we'd be aware of of when we're making an idol out of safety. We'd reject it and live by faith. I pray, Lord, we recognize that you've given us life as a gift and that we would enjoy it, remembering you, thinking about the future and investing our life well. I pray, Lord, that we would walk with you and that we would recognize that life is a school, And that you want to teach us lessons. Lessons that will lead us to life. The truly good life. And I pray, Lord, we'd all be mindful that life is a stewardship. That we all will have to give an answer. Pray, Lord, that because we fear you, because we're in awe of your majesty and your power and your strength, that we'd respect you and submit to you. And Lord, this all summed up by your son, Jesus, who is the good shepherd, who is the way, the truth, and the life, who came that we might have life, life to the full. I pray, Lord, this morning that we would all, whether for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time, surrender to you through your son, Jesus. Jesus, who gave his life on the cross to pay for our sins. I pray, Lord, that we would recognize our need for this Savior in whom life begins. And that as we surrender to you and say, Lord, I believe in Jesus. I want to have the son so I can have real life. I pray, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. You would empower us to live by faith, to truly enjoy life, to learn the lessons you have for us, and to steward what you've given us with incredible wisdom and faithfulness. Oh, Lord, thank you for Jesus, yeah, whoever has him has life. We thank you for that promise, Lord. I pray for our young adults, Lord. I pray that there be a generation who's passionate for you and who, because of their fear, their holy fear of who you are, seek to live by faith, joyously living life, walking with you in every way and stewarding what you've given them with great wisdom. God, I give these prayers to you now. I submit them in Jesus' name.